0: Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the Mountless Wire football podcast. We're back in the Mountain Division, talking Colorado State. You know who it is, Jeremy Moss here, Matt currently hanging out. MWWire.com is our website, where apparently, Matt, a lot of people are stopping by lately, which is nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. We have our top 50 countdown going on. Have we had a Colorado State player yet at this point? I don't believe so.
0: At this point, no. Um, perhaps it is worth noting again that, I, if I remember correctly, I don't have the results in front of me. Maybe I should have. I believe it was a Colorado State Ram that was the first person out of this year's countdown.
1: That's unfortunate. Um, I'm actually going to double check here because we are recording a little bit. Or it's not actually the day it comes out. Hard to believe that we do that type of stuff, but it is. Uh because uh we are on as of this recording, we're on number forty five. Sean Chambers, Colorado State. Or Wyoming, well, I mean, not Colorado State. Oh boy. We've got to say, you there will, you
0: gotta watch yourself there.
1: <laughs> I will say this, there will not be a Colorado State player by the time this drops, which is uh could be good or a bad thing, right?
0: I guess it all depends on your perspective.
1: Should we give him a hint of how many Colorado State players are on the list? And have people well, that's guess
0: no, that's, that's no fun.
1: No. Okay. I just, I, I, mean, I mean, I've mean,
0: i already seen people trying to anticipate, you know, from different fan bases. Okay. Well, these guys were in the honorable mentions. So, oh my God, how many players are we actually going to have on the list? And I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody feel down. I just want them to kind of stay tuned and and see how things unfold.
1: Yeah. Check out our Twitter, MWC wire Instagram, which we use basically. This is like the only time of year we consistently use it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much.
1: So go check out some, there some graphics I made. Cause, um, uh, I spent a few minutes doing it, and you take the time as well to post on Twitter with the tags and everything. So check it out, like it, Um, tell your friend. So apparently people – well, who's the one who got – there's one that people aren't too happy about. I guess it was San Jose State. Frank Ginda even commented on one of them. So that guy's higher.
0: Yeah, so Ethan Aguayo, I believe it was.
1: If uh, Frank Ginda, the tackle machine, is not happy to our list, maybe we messed up. But hey, it happens, right?
0: Yeah, it happens. I think this year's list is maybe our most interesting one yet.
1: Yeah, we had, what, 102 players, I think, total?
0: Yeah, and there's been plenty of surprises, which if you keep coming back to MWWire.com every day, Boom. you will see that.
1: All right, so let's get to the teams here. We're going Colorado State this week. We're going back and forth. We have about half of these in the book, so if you just happen to find us now, you're a Rams fan, it gets posted on some message boards saying, it's great, it's not great for CSU. And you want to know about other schools? We've done half the schools right now, I believe. And now we're just a, we're downhill, Matt, toward the season. We are. Next month is college football.
0: We're within four, uh, 50 days now.
1: Something like that. By the time you hear this, it'll be within 50 days. We're week zero. But we're going to talk about the Rams, who, well, last year was, um, we can no longer call July 6th Mike Bobo Day anymore, which is not good when you decrease the amount of wins in that first uh, part of the record.
0: No, it's in March now.
1: March ninth, yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. But there's a couple reasons I was the case last, last year to kind of quickly go through that. I don't think it helps when Bobo had the uh, was hospitalized like the week before the season began. So mm-hmm. a lot of uh, continuity issues with him being healthy in the hospital or not being healthy or coming in and out, riding the golf cart, hanging out in the booth for the first couple weeks. They also were a little bit unlucky, like in Utah State game end of the year, which was just one game. But, but I think if the changes are going to be made, we'll get to all those different changes that are coming up, like just player personnel and everything. It still has got, it still has to be the defense, right? I
0: don't know that you can pin last year on one thing. Obviously some things are easier to quantify than others. Like, I think it's really hard. It would have been really hard to anticipate what kind of impact Mike Bobo's, you know, uh, health concerns had on the long field product. I don't, know that there's one thing you can point to on the field as being a direct consequence of that. Um, But, you know, they had not only that, but they had, you know, a quarterback shuffle throughout the year and they couldn't run at all. And they had to plug in a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball. And some of those young guys acquitted themselves pretty well. Some of them had the uh, kind of trials that you would expect from inexperienced athletes playing significant playing time for the first time. And when you put that all together, that's where you come into the narrative where in in the same way that we have talked about with a couple of other teams like, you know, New Mexico and, you know, these other teams that were on the downswing, they backslid hard at a time where, again, a lot of other teams in the conference got better. And so when you're thinking ahead to 2019, you know, this time last year, I was optimistic about their chances to kind of hang on to the gains that they've made and perhaps even improve. And there are some similarities between last year's team and this year's team. You know, on the on the negative side, they are they don't have that many starters coming back on either side of the ball. But you see the same kind of potential strengths as you would have seen in last year's team, and potentially the same kinds of weaknesses. And so I think that this year is just about. I mean, I, I hesitate to call it survival because it seems so uh, derivative or, or basic or something like that. But I really do think that in a lot of ways, Mike Bobo might be coaching for his job this year.
1: I think he is because he's been, okay, I can jokingly, seven and six his first three years, three and nine mm-hmm. this past year, which there's a couple of things. Like a couple of players left our roster. like The running backs wasn't as strong as it could be. He's made changes at the coordinator positions. And people expect him coming from what he did at Georgia to – have a pretty good offense because that's what Uh Georgia did forever. And I know it's different being the Mountain West, but he's recruiting fairly well in that area, part of the country. A lot of guys are coming in. But a lot of it too is I would say like his quarterback indecisiveness of choosing a guy or pulling a guy too quickly has caused issues as well, whether it be – I know there's been injuries involved the past little while, but like even last year, Colin Hill was getting more healthy. Let's put him in over KJ Carter-Samuels. Let's put in this guy the um, in a front. Two years ago, they we figured it's like oh, it's a two st- two guy race. No, three guys could be starting. That indecisiveness doesn't help either, and so that's part of it too. He's got to be more focused, I'd say, about picking players at position specifically QB. But this year, where Colin Hill's the guy, and he should be fine that position. I'm not worried about at all because he's a really good quarterback, but. That's all of it, too. But again, like I know you mentioned, you can't just be pinned on the defense, but defense has been brutal every year he's been on campus there. And so at some point, that has to change and be pretty good overall. Because we what we've known about him, quarterback play has been good once it's finally settled. Running the game has mostly been pretty good. It's just been the defense, they can't stop anybody. And so those are the couple of things. Seems like a lot, but I think he is coaching for kind of not for necessarily his job, but it's a. It's a concern of him wanting to be not wanting to, but if he's going to be around maybe next year. I think he will, most likely will be unless it's like another disastrous year. But the way it's been going, it's like I don't have extreme confidence this team's going to be really good this year.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and another thing that we didn't really mention, especially on defense, you know, there were a couple of there were at least a couple of significant injuries that really bit into the depth of the defense, which as we mentioned, they were starting a lot of young guys and if you're looking for upside those young guys have experience under their belt now they're stepping into more prominent roles or in some cases you know staying within more prominent roles and even if the product isn't quite as pretty uh, you know as as it was last year at times um or rather even if it's not much prettier than it was there's there's hope that they're at least building towards something in 2020. But um, again, the big question we'll, is, we'll be there. this might be a do or die situation for the current staff.
1: I think it could be. Um...
0: It could be. I'm not sure that it is 100%. A lot of it just kind of depends on how some of these, you know, lingering questions from last year get resolved.
1: Yeah, it's not out of the question that that could be the case. And so... But let's get And to- I think
0: that, and I was going to say, I think that's a good segue towards talking about the quarterback situation. Yeah. And because
1: I, this is settled, right? This is the year where it's it's him and nobody else. Colin Hill?
0: Finally, Colin Hill. How many years did should it take? be the guy? Well, and there's, it's not really his fault that there have been so many false starts. You know, he had the ACL injury a couple of years ago. And, um, You know, last year, of course, he was recovering from an ACL injury, which is why Carter Samuels began the year as the starter. But I think if you are looking to make the optimist's case, if you go and look at Bill Connolly's stat profile and you look at the four games that Colin Hill started at the end of the year, and it wasn't like he was facing a lot of slouches either. It was Wyoming, at Nevada, home versus Utah State, and Air Force. By percentile performance... Colorado State had three of their four or five best performances on that side of the ball all year long. And as you mentioned, they may have gotten a little bit unlucky in losing that game to Utah State and oh, the following well, yeah, week against Air Force because they were about 60% by win expectancy to win those two games. So I think you can start there and say that. Yeah, it's maybe he was a little bit rusty because you know he did have seven touchdowns against seven interceptions, Mm -hmm. and he did have a completion rate that was a little bit under sixty percent. It was right around fifty eight point nine, but you know the sack. I mean, he, he didn't you know the it's not like the sack rate skyrocketed because he was holding onto the ball too long. He wasn't making that many poor decisions, and you could see where as things went along, especially in those last two games, that he started getting more comfortable with what he was doing, and so. I think that that's one piece – that's what I'm saying. You know, if you're looking for a way forward or a way back up the, the Mountain Division standings, if he can build upon that small sample, I think that that's something that Colorado State fans can look forward to.
1: I think you're right because I I pulled up just now the uh, quarterback rankings I did post-spring and I'm hopefully we will do this every week during the season. Despite not much being around him, we got Warren Jackson we'll get to an Auburn transfer as well. We'll talk about at wide receiver. I put him number four despite him not playing a ton last year, coming off an injury. And he like this might this is probably their their best chance to be really good. Or I guess it's overachieve, I should say. Really good's kind of a not the best term to use for what this team could be this year, but I put him number four. Like you could easily argue like he could be a top two quarterback in this conference, like just basically, basically on his skill set. He may not put up the numbers. He may not do all the, put the stats you want, but like, is he a better pure passer, better quarterback than Monty Rogers? Could be, but it depends what team he yeah, is. He is. Well, as, a, he, as a pure yeah, passer, he, he definitely is. As an actual quarterback, Rogers does a bit more. So that's why I put Rogers' history in my list here. I got Colin, uh, Cole McDonald, Jordan Love, 1 2. Like, it might be tough to break, the, break into that one or two spot, but. Like as for just a quarterback and what quarterback is, he's probably the third best actually, like passing quarterback in the conference, mm-hmm. and so that's pretty good there to start with. And it just depends like if he can be protected, can he? Who's gonna run the ball for? Like who's gonna take the ball and carry? Who's gonna catch? Is Warren Jackson gonna be what Preston Williams was last year, or better, or Rashard Higgins, and you know what I mean those type of guys. They have the receiving group is ridiculous for them to not be as good as they have been.
0: And that's one of those similarities that I referred to in the intro, where you know, yes, they're losing Preston Williams, and yes, they're losing Ola BC Johnson. That's nearly 250 targets that they're gonna have to replace. But they still seem like they should be loaded. And if it and if they don't have someone who's on the, the Preston Williams type level or the Michael Gallup type level, they could potentially have two or three guys who are. of that right out the gate, not only Jackson, but you know, we've talked a lot about Nate Craig Myers, who as of right now, he still isn't eligible to play the first four games. Mm -hmm. But if he is, you can plug him into the starting lineup and in a limited sample size that he had during his last extended playing time, you know, he had a 67% catch rate. He was averaging 18 yards a catch at Auburn. And he had a success rate of way over 60%. Mm-hmm. That's huge yeah. for a team like this, especially since they're trying to replace Will C. Johnson, who might have been one of the most efficient pass catchers in, I don't know, the if not the Mountain West, then definitely in the group of five.
1: Oh, yeah. He caught like over 70% of his passes. Anything that went his way, he was catching.
0: Yeah. And you know, behind them, they've got at least two young guys who even if they didn't really do much in 2018 – I think that the ceiling could potentially be sky high for both of them. And I'm talking about Nico Hall and EJ Scott, the pair of sophomores, you know, and Hall, especially if I remember correctly by 24 seven sports, he was the best recruit that the Rams brought in two years ago. I'm expecting them to have a role. And even if they don't, even if they aren't thousand yard receivers, I think that they bring perhaps a more dynamic element to the passing game than they've had in, in a, you know, the last couple of years, because we know Johnson was an efficiency monster and we know that Preston Williams could catch pretty much everything that was thrown within his catch radius. But one of the things that both of those guys might be able to take advantage of is a thing that Hill brings to the table that they didn't necessarily have all of last year, which is by pro football focus. He was the number one quarterback in the conference and it wasn't even close in adjusting completion percentage on deep passes, those passes of over twenty yards. So if if one of those guys can be at least a cons, you know a, a consistent threat to you know haul in passes downfield, that isn't something that they had all the time last year. But it's something that they could definitely benefit from in twenty nineteen.
1: Well, it is, and also um, they have a tight end there is pretty good.
0: They have a pair of tight ends who might be yeah. pretty good.
1: Cameron Butler, Trey McBride. Butler could be. Uh... Maybe the best tight end in the conference, like preseason-wise, or up there. Trying uh-huh. to think of who else we if we recall, but he seems to be the best guy back there. No touchdowns, but 29 catches. So they have that. They We'll get to the running game. We kind of switched up here. But even, like, look what Izzy Matthews did last year. I know he's not back, but he had 27 catches. But Marvin Kinsey Jr. is going to be the starting back. Had 22 catches last year. So they're going mm-hmm. to get the running backs involved. So it's not just needing a downfield threat. They have a couple – everything – everything but a handful of things set and ready to go they have a number one guy i think as we believe with warren jackson should be and will be what he caught last year would double that triple that workload or somewhere in that range butler's a tight end there they seem to find who's that second third and fourth receivers particularly which will be good with nate craig myers out for i think it's three or four games exactly I'm not sure it's a full four but non-conference play is basically out he's gone not able to play. But you mentioned the other two guys, Hall and Scott, maybe even somebody else could step up. And then when they bring in Craig Myers, like, oh, you get this shot of the arm in League play to a guy who has basically more than off-season plus games to see what's going on. And overall, it's going to be good for them. So I think the unit could be good. There's still a couple spots we're not quite sure on. But it's going to be fine. It's, it could be... It may not be what it was last year or the year before because it's a lot of talent you're losing, but it's going to be pretty good with Hill being a great quarterback passing. This is the one area... They'll be one of the better ones to convert, I think. Which is weird because we look at their win totals; like they're like three and a half, which seems low. Because if we go to the running game, as we'll move right there now, Kenzie Jr. is back there. He's really he's a really good runner. I know they lost uh who is it? Um, Bodie Johnson just kind of left the team late last year during the season, I believe. But Kenzie's gonna be. I don't know. Well, I shouldn't say really good. He only two hundred fifty six yards. He was good the year before. They loved him. He has potential, but. I think it'll be okay. It's still going to be work in progress like last year, which vastly underachieved. So if it's better than last year a little bit, combine that with what the receiving group can do and the quarterback play, it's offense actually might be one of the top half in the conference.
0: And see, as of right now, I feel like I'm a little more pessimistic about the running game because it doesn't really matter how you slice it. The guys that they're bringing back last year just weren't that good. Correct. And, and and I'm talking primarily about Kinsey and Marcus McElroy, um, the latter of whom was listed at the top of the post-spring uh, depth chart. Yeah, you know, because averaging four four point two yards a carry is really nothing to write home about. But maybe more importantly, if you look at the more advanced numbers, like opportunity rate, for instance, you know how often are they helping the offensive line do their job and getting past five yards? You know, they were you know, Kinsey was a shade above 40%. McElroy was a shade below 40%. So it wasn't great by any stretch. And by success rate, which is just, you know, uh, 50% of the yards you need on first down, 70% on second, 100% on either third or fourth. Kinsey was only 35% and McElroy was only 29%. Hmm. They have to get better in that regard because they were 118th by rushing S&P Plus last year. And you want to say that, simple regression to the mean is going to be responsible for some kind of rebound. And, and like I said, it's one of those things where some of it falls on the runners themselves and some of it maybe falls on the offensive line, which we'll get to in a minute, but they have to do their part. Otherwise they're going to be behind schedule a lot, which is like they, you know, they were Mm. last year, which is why they ended up throwing the ball over 500 times.
1: Yeah. They didn't run the ball very much. We look at this pure numbers of running and that's uh. I don't know if Marbs is the answer, but I think you're right. They can't, it's it's hard to be worse than than they were last year running the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, because and maybe this is a, a good segue to talking about the offensive line because there were a couple of things that were okay about the line last year. You know, if you look, for instance, they didn't really get pushed backwards last year. Um, you know, I mentioned the above average sack rate, which was 35th in the country. I think it was right around six percent. Um And they were also 44th in stuff rate, which means that they weren't really giving up a lot of TFLs either. But now they're also replacing three guys on last year's line. And while they do have a couple of solid pieces coming back in Barry Wesley and – who's the other guy I'm thinking of?
1: Jeff Taylor. Uh, Jeff
0: Taylor, yeah.
1: Double-digit starts.
0: they've got at least a couple of solid pieces there, but they're expecting a lot from at least a few new and in some cases young players stepping in like Ches Jackson retro freshman listed at the top of the depth chart. You know, he's slotting in at right guard, Keith Williams, who's a Juco transfer. He's at right tackle. And then they have Scott Brooks um, who's uh, coming in at center. You know, he's a junior. He's had some time in the system, you know, so, and, and TJ Storman who is, I believe scheduled to be a left tackle. So, I mean, they've got Juco guys, they've got at least one young guy, and they really just have to hope that all those pieces come together can be a little bit better than they were last year. Because by a lot of measures, they struggled.
1: Yeah, and replacing like I said, new guys, whether it's Shuko guys or highly talented freshmen, it's gonna be it's gonna not gonna be easy going going early on. And when they open up against Colorado, that's not gonna be uh, ideal. And yeah. maybe those guys are talented enough. The redshirt guys, like they have some highly recruited guys back there who didn't play last year, or I guess the new rule they played a little bit, but redshirt guys, it's it's still three new guys in the offensive line. And yeah. when your two returning guys are guards, it's like, I've said it a couple times, not that guard's an easy position, but it's the easiest position to find guys in there. And so you got those positions locked down, but you want the tackle spot, center spot, those are important ones. Like losing Colby Meeks, those type of guys, that's a pretty big deal.
0: Well, and they also have to hope for health on the offensive line too because the guys who are potentially stepping into – you know, niche roles or rotation roles behind them. And I'm talking about guys like Alex Azusensis or excuse me, Azus You know, he's a freshman. Joctavia Phillips is a sophomore. Florian McCann's a freshman. They've got freshmen and sophomores behind these guys who are the presumed starters for right now. And if one or two of those guys get hurt, you know, for as good as Colin Hill was at avoiding sacks last year and, and the unit as whole was good at, you know, not allowing sacks—that is a situation that could get ugly in a hurry if things don't break their way. If if they get hit hard by injury luck,
1: well, yeah, that's the biggest This is the biggest concern, right, for the offensive line for both of us. I am assuming, or for the offense, I should say, is this line. And well,
0: I would—I mean, I would say it's the, in tandem the line and the running game. I don't know if you can yeah, separate one from the other. Completely. That's true, yeah.
1: Because if the line does well, running game should do well, even though it may not be. Talent may not be – you know I mean? It's, it's decent talent. It may not hide stuff, but it enhances what you have. So if you're just yeah. okay, you might be good. If you're good, you'll be great. And so if the offensive – if you haven't – like, I assume, let's just say the running game is okay. If the offensive line is bad, that probably makes the running game bad. And it's going to help everything overall. We know it all works together, but you could have a amazing offensive line and just so-so backs, but they have a great year because there's glory, glorious room to run through on the from the offensive line. And so mm-hmm. I I would say the line's a bit more important overall, but you're obviously 100% correct saying if this line plays well, it'll help everything else in the offense because it pretty much starts there. Yeah. So should we just go to the defense now? Let's do it. All right, defense, defense. Oh, boy, do they have a defense. Um, I guess the good thing is they bring back most of their talent, but yeah. it wasn't great. It is the second year of their defensive coordinator after Marty English retired, so that's helpful, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always that to look forward to for a second year of a guy's scheme and guys who are not going to be learning it but more reacting and playing to what they see, which is always a good thing. But they like Josh Watson's a pretty big loss. It was what your best defender I essentially say. Caleb Smith has gone as well on that defensive line. But having so many players back, even on a poorest defense, it's more positive than negative, but not necessarily like a huge like I say a few times. If you're not great but you're back that's good, but you got to still improve as well. And I think maybe they might be able to do that this year. Maybe.
0: Well, and and again, the upside is, as I mentioned at the onset, you know, they were missing pieces that I think they counted upon to be impact players. Uh, and, in, and especially in the front seven, they were getting those guys back. You know, Max McDonald only played four games last year. But as of right now, he's slotted to be, I think, right there in the middle at middle linebacker. You know, same thing with uh, uh, Richard King, you know, at defensive tackle. You know, all of a sudden you've got another piece there on the interior of the of the defensive line. So, and and of course they did bring in a, a transfer from Arizona State and Jalen Bates as well, and another transfer from Troy. I'm trying to remember his name. <laughs> I looked it up earlier, and then of course I I lost it. Uh, I want to say it's like Tron Folsom.
1: That's a so good name, the, though. Regardless, it's good. I like it.
0: <laughs> strong. I'm, that's it's true. Um, <laughs> strong. Yeah. So again, yeah, like you said, they've got a lot of pieces coming back, but again, it's kind of like, it's kind of like shades of the running game, where you know, yeah, they have everybody coming back, but they have to get better in a lot of ways because, especially against the run last year, they got pushed around a lot.
1: So, what do you think it is? This- to cuz looking at also if you look at their um this what's it called the um defensive radar mm-hmm. it's not really radar it looks like a um something small with a pair of scissors sort of with a handle that mm-hmm. goes about not not past the top 80 rank in the country <laughs> so not good at all they yeah, I the guys back like you mentioned a running attack that's obviously a big deal to stop but I, like at some point if you guys are at this level fps level I should say you can't be this bad, I no, guess. I guess with, like guys who are coming back, like go through like there's transfers, like you mentioned, guys who were injured last year. I mentioned like they have all these guys back who played and played plenty of games. Maybe that's the thing that'll get them going and get better. Like they have guys like when you look at their um kind of look a little bit deeper, like who's making plays. They have a lot of guys who are getting a sack, or, a sack or two of the year, a couple of sacks, a couple of TFLs. It's not the good thing. Is it's not? It wasn't just one guy getting them all, and that guy's gone. They have multiple guys with the two plus sack, like I mentioned, a couple of TFLs, a couple of sacks. That's good because if you're on a defense where it's just one guy, it may open things up, may or may not for the other guys. But when you have so many players who are capable of making a play here and there, it's got to be good overall. And so I think that's an area where if they can keep that up. And they have to, yeah, defense overall may not be great, which means you're going to be lost single coverage on the offensive line when you're looking at the linebackers, the defensive linemen. But if you know this guy can get have four sacks this year, six TFLs, two sacks, it's like he's going to be close to making plays if you're already getting back there. And so that, I, mean, I think I, that's a good thing, too. They, all, they do well enough to make enough of a play to be a threat, but they're not good enough to be doubled every time, so they can't make plays.
0: Yeah. I don't know that there's a Shaquille Barrett on this front seven.
1: No, I'll say, I'll say it right now. No, there's not. But, but it is
0: absolutely <laughs> imperative that they are more disruptive than they were last mm-hmm. year. And especially when it comes to the pass rush, because nobody on the team had more than Ellison Hubbard's two and a half sacks. And, yeah, you know, if you just, if you just it, go it. down the line and some of the more advanced metrics, you know, on defense, they were 126th in opportunity rate. Right? So which essentially means that opponents were getting five yards almost at will over 55% of the time. You know, they were 114th by stuff, right? Which just means they were rarely getting into the backfield. They were 110th by sack rate. So it, it, those are kind of the big three things that I look at when it comes to like defensive fronts. So yeah, I, I think I have high expectations, especially for those young guys in the in the front seven, and I'm talking about highly regarded recruits who played a lot last year, like Devin Phillips right there in the middle, uh, or you know even Hubbard if he can take a step forward from what he did last year, that would be a huge. Or Emmanuel Jones on the other side of that defensive line. I, I don't know that it's going to fall on one person. I think it's just mm-hmm. going to be one of those situations where they have to get better as a unit. And because they played together a lot last year, maybe that's the kind of crucible that really helped propel them forward.
1: It's what we're banking on, right? Or what they are, I guess. Like I said, you yeah. play, guys play a ton of games. Maybe Patrick Moody's good after being out last year. You make the next step. You got transfers coming in. It's uh same thing with the secondary. Let's just go there real quick. They bring back like Jamal Hicks is really good, I think. Now, I won't say I think he is pretty good. A couple of pass breakups. They have a lot of guys who, again, make plays. They bring like three of their top four starters from last year. They have a roster that's very deep and play same as every other position. Don't need to repeat, but they all played a lot of games. They've all made a handful of plays. Uh, I would like for them to have somebody who steps up to be kind of a more overall, better, you know what I mean, better defensive back. Now, I think that might be Hicks as a safety, I guess. But well,
0: you're you're overlooking Rashad Ajayi. I, I,
1: I, was, I was getting there. I I said safety. I didn't say quarterback yet. Oh, okay. All right, saying, all right. I, I see where back, you did that because he had six pass breakups last year. That's true. And they need one or two guys. I don't care who it is. Probably is the most like most likely candidate. But you want to see more pass breakups, a few more, another interception or two, just a little bit something. Maybe uh, sacks. I don't care about TFLs. I don't really care about for your secondary. Um, you don't need to lead the team in tackles, which is not good either. But it's just um, they overall they did a good job at breaking the passes, but I think they need like a standout guy because how, past couple years how many times have we said the secondary is just awful and teams will throw like crazy against them? Maybe they finally got the guys who are seniors on this team, like with Scott and uh, Braylon Scott and Jamal Hicks, go along with the Jai. They have a couple younger guys who are seniors who played last year as well upperclassmen, a couple here and there. Maybe they finally played long enough together and are going to be good. Like. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're hoping for. It's kind of hopeful. Same thing again, right? You get you played together. You have upperclassmen. You learn from your mistakes. You're good to go.
0: The irony is that they faced fewer passing attempts than any team in the Mountain West last year. Gotcha. But, (laughs) and this is this is a sad but. Um, they were dead last in opponents' completion percentage. They were mm. dead last in opponents' yards per attempt. They gave up 30 touchdowns and they were dead last in opponents' passer rating as well. So while there were a lot of situations where teams would just beat them up on front, up front where they didn't need to throw the ball that often, mm-hmm. this is another situation where, you know, when they do run into the situations, again, they have to get better.
1: I think we'll get to the overall. I guess we kind of do now the overall thing. It's just all it's just defense they have to be better. It's like it's been that bad for so long. I, I kind of joked about their radar. It's like minuscule. It's tiny. It's not. They were not. Here's the thing. They were not good at any category last year. That's safe to say. There was not one category I could say, hey, they were good at third and long. They were good at second and six. They were good at. Stopping first and goal at the eight yard line all year. I don't know. There's nothing they're good at. They to be a decent defense, they have to find one thing to be at least above average at. Mm-hmm. And like they were last, like in the Mountain West, explosiveness, successful plays. They were the worst in the conference. And so they got to be something where don't. You, I'd like to say average overall, but find one or one area at least one to be really good at or above average at, and then maybe that'll help them out to cover up any other inefficiencies, which there are plenty. And so.
0: I would just like to note for the record that they were 30th last year in third and short success okay. right on defense. Was, so they were good at
1: that. You know I was rambling off random things though, right? It wasn't yeah. necessarily saying, okay, good. They're good at third and short. Good job. Okay. There you go. Yeah.
0: It's a super niche kind of thing. I know, <laughs>
1: All right. I guess a like, really quick special team since I always forget. Ryan Stonehouse, the punter, is back. Good, right? He's pretty good. They will need a, a new place kicker because Wyatt Bri- Bryant, or excuse me, they got two first names there. Wyatt Bryant is gone. Sorry. Uh, they'll need a new punt returner. They'll need maybe a new kickoff guy. Or not a kickoff guy, but a uh, kick re- punt returner. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing because Wilson and Obisai Johnson, or Obasai Johnson, are gone. So...
0: Yeah, they've got a few options in that regard. Uh, I believe Brendan Fulton was the guy at atop the depth chart uh, back in April. Yeah, he's a wide receiver. He could you – know, another one of those guys who could step up and do a more prominent role in that regard. But, I mean, outside of Stonehouse, there wasn't really anybody else on special teams that covered this helps in glory last year. Mm-hmm. And that includes Brian, who had been pretty good the two years prior. But he was only 11 of 18 on field goals last year. And if I remember correctly, I'm trying to pull up the number in front of me. uh, That included only 5 of 11 from over 40 yards. So they do have a new kicker. Um, Braxton Davis is expected to step into that role. There's a couple of other guys who might still be in the mix, Jonathan Terry and Caleb Wickstrom, But I think they're expecting Davis to be the guy. I think, you know, that's another one of those things where if they can get better, you know, I don't think improving upon eleven of eighteen is going to take that much to do.
1: Uh no.
0: <laughs> you would you would hope.
1: I guess that's where I, I you hope that's the case, that they're gonna be better in that in some aspect like that. So is it time for scheduling, I guess? I think so. I will take a uh quick time out to um yeah, just get ready for it schedule 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 all right so here's the deal that we talked about schedules matt you know how it is we're not going to go super in depth on all these games non-conference games a little bit more than conference games but here's the deal start it. they do the rocky mountain Showdown, denver colorado what's the stadium called is it still is it just mile high forever is that all you care about
0: is it, i think technically it's sports authority field at mile
1: high and but it's, who's keep, who's keeping track of it soon to be sports sports authority field at mild High played on Pat Bowen field yeah <laughs> that might be the case within who knows what the Broncos do since their the late owner passed away recently so they play Colorado um we've already talked about Colorado a little bit with Air Force Just watch out for the good run receivers they have right Stephen Montez will find somebody downfield maybe mm-hmm. but it's not going to be a victory by any stretch.
0: No, they've had Mike Bobo's number the last several years. They haven't beaten them since twenty fourteen.
1: No, we haven't mentioned Bobo's record versus like conference rivals and bowl games. It's like two victories, I think. Versus, it's not good. when it's like when you consider Colorado, uh, Wyoming, Air Force, and bowl games, I think they've won two. I think mm-hmm. both those are versus Wyoming. I want to say maybe. Yeah, uh, they, they're just not good against teams. They um, not that they should be, but teams, uh, rival teams, in state teams, local teams, uh, bowl teams. And if you want to add Boise State in there, because they kinda of think that's sort of a rival for some reason, not even close. No. Because remember the uh, overtime game a couple years ago. But this game, Colorado, like Colorado's not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they're still like an average team. They might make a bowl game out of the pack troll. But I don't think Colorado can uh well, obviously Colorado State will get the win. Just because Yeah,
0: I mean they haven't really been close. The Rams haven't in the last few years. And I don't really see a reason why they would be this time around either. Yeah,
1: because even when they had the offense, there was a was it two years ago where Chad Higgins those questionable PI calls. But even with that, they couldn't move the ball down the field to get points when they were really the better team. You would think. Yeah. At least the way the year panned out a couple of years ago, they did. All right, and then, they're only and
0: they're only twenty percent to win that game by a plus. Yeah.
1: So. Western Illinois um, only seventy that should be a win. It's only seventy one percent. It, it should be a win. Should be because those FCS games, I'm typically seeing eighty five, ninety five percent chance to win. If it's seventy one, and, and they
0: lost their FCS game last year, let's not forget that.
1: Who is that against? I don't recall.
0: Cal the uh, Illinois State.
1: Oh boy. Oh Illinois again! Oh, strike! They're striking back. Uh,
0: the Illinois State.
1: Do you know what Illinois State nickname
0: is? Isn't it like the Redbirds or something like that? Or is that Indiana State? I
1: forget. I it's Indiana State. Um, state model. Let's see what that is real quick. Illinois State motto, this is boring, State Sovereignty National Union. Maybe I meant nickname. That's what I was probably looking up. Because they lost the Illinois, the Illinois State team last year. They're going to, air quote, should win. Um, they are the, um, they don't have a, the Prairie State. Okay, there we go. Land of Lincoln, Prairie State. There we go. There you go. Um, it should still be victory, right? should be? It should. We're not confident we say it should be, but um, they should be, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then they go to Arkansas. Who they beat last year? So, surprisingly, surprisingly, come from behind victory last year, and Arkansas State's probably going to be at the bottom of the SEC West again. Sounds about right.
0: Presumably, yeah.
1: Do they have a new head coach?
0: No, Chad Morris is in his second year.
1: Ah, second year. So last
0: year, if I remember correctly, it was the first time ever that Arkansas lost ten games.
1: Ooh, that's a that's a kick in the gut. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and kind of like Colorado State, they were a little bit unlucky down the stretch last year. And they do have most of their offensive pieces coming back. And they did bring in a grad transfer and Ben Hicks, who's familiar with what Chad Morris wants to do from their days together at Southern Methodist. So even though they're losing both of the quarterbacks who saw a lot of playing time last year, it may not necessarily be a bad thing. And the defense was not terrible. <laughs> you know, they're, they're losing a couple guys up front But they do have Bictelvin Agam back You know, he had double-digit TFLs And four and a half sacks last year They've got at least a pair of solid uh, linebackers behind them And D. John Harrison One of the best names in college football Bumper Pool, uh, <laughs> the,
1: bumper pool. the game, bumper, bumper Pool
0: The Bumper Pool Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I'm, and, and let's not forget Again, Arkansas kind of gave this game away last year. It was like a what a twenty-four point lead,
1: something like that. And yeah, and so the one a couple of things really quick Arkansas to know: they do have Rakeem Boyd back, who's going to be a junior. He had decent, decent attack, seven hundred plus yards, six yards of carry. Uh, new quarterback near. By the time it's week three, week four, he should be fine. They do uh, bring back their top receiver from last year. So a lot of guys are back in offense, but if we see what Chad Morris has done, he was um. SMU coach did well. He was the O.C. with Clemson, right? With Deshaun Watson, I believe. I and so give him a little bit of time. Arkansas will be better by last year's standard. standards. Maybe not be great in the SEC yet, but I got to go with the uh, being a road game specifically. Razorbacks backs all the way in this one.
0: Yeah, definitely. And
1: then we got Toledo back at home. So have we talked about Toledo yet? I think they won't play. Or is it Tulsa that plays another Mountain West team?
0: We talked about Tulsa a couple times. We have not talked about Toledo this year. They did play a couple of Mountain West teams last year. They played both Nevada and Fresno State.
1: Mm -hmm. Remember that, yeah. Uh, Right now, 30% chance to win for the Rams at home, which is yikes.
0: Still as much of a action team as ever. Good. Yeah, they've got both of their quarterbacks coming back in Eli Peters and Mitchell Guadagni. I think Peters is expected to be the guy. I know Guadagni got hurt. Uh, I believe it's was in the Fresno State game, actually. But Peters came out, played well, 18 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Maybe wasn't quite as efficient as you would like. Um, but, I mean, behind him, they also have a pair of really good running backs I bet Bryant Kobach. Mm-hmm. You know, he had almost 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns last year. They are losing their top three receivers. You know, Deontay Johnson, Cody Thompson, John Bay Johnson, they all seem to be around forever. Um,
1: that's also if you're kind of at home, 24 receptions right there for touchdowns.
0: Yeah. So they've got a lot to replace in that particular unit, but they should still be a factor in the Mac regardless. I mean, I think it'll help that this game is in Fort Collins, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's in Fort Collins, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, but Toledo is still projected at 70% to win this game. And honestly, I just kind of wonder if, if if this is a shootout kind of situation. Is Colorado State equipped to just make one or two stops? I'm not sure.
1: You'd hope so. I do think hope so. I do think a lot of points. Um, but guess what? I'm going to trust a team that has a good offense. So I'm going with uh, Toledo for the victory. Mm-hmm. Which uh, puts me at a bismal 1-3 through non-conference play.
0: It's a rough start.
1: Rough start. Then they go to Utah State, which, um, you know, that's a loss, right?
0: That's a loss.
1: Um, they go to San Diego State, which is... Excuse me, They're host... Home San Diego sorry, State. sorry, sorry. I meant to, move, meant to say moving on to play San Diego State at home. Loss as well, right? I think? Mm-hmm. Too much of a running game, John Washington, even... Um, we'll get to if San Diego State really has a new quarterback or not. I'll say they do. <laughs> but their new quarterback, Ryan Agnew...
0: Their is, new old quarterback.
1: Their new starting quarterback... Yeah. ...is going well, to lead to we'll the hope, victory. we we'll that. Because... We'll get to that later because I have thoughts on that because Aztec fans, you know. Um, they the draw Washington won't be stopped. Um, defense is pretty good, and so this might be a lower-scoring game because I don't think the Aztecs' offense will be as explosive as it has been in the past couple of years because it's been a better scoring, but last year was kind of an anomaly, but I I, I could see this being like a 20-3 to three game, something where Aztecs kind of just grind it out and give it to Washington for like 185.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my logic for this game is kind of like your logic for Toledo is I would trust the team that I know has at least one good unit, and mm-hmm. that's the Aztec defense.
1: Exactly. And yeah. it's also a worse chance to win over an Aztec team, so 19%. Then they go to New Mexico, which, really, a toss-up?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What does it say about the Rams if that's a toss-up game?
0: That they're losing a lot of their production from
1: last <laughs> year. That they may not be very good. Yeah. we. If you listen to our New Mexico show, we both have this as a victory. Yes, we do. And, yeah, it's a win. There's reasons to say for that with the Lobos going to more passing offense and their defense not being ideal. And, um, yeah, we'll see. But um, Lobos just are a mess. They're more of a mess than Colorado State. So there's that for you, Rams fan. There's some positivity.
0: <laughs> Sadly, then, they have to travel to Fresno.
1: Um, loss, right. Because uh, that's a loss. Yeah, that's a loss for sure. So we're sitting at two victories. They host UNLV. This could be intriguing because UNLV is kind of a team where they could be good or not good. And I'm kind of surprised that they're almost. This is almost a coin flip as well.
0: Is this a loser loses their job situation? Ooh,
1: we have not done our rebel podcast yet. Um.
0: Because I think that it might be.
1: You mean get fired on the spot for whoever loses?
0: Well, not on the spot, <laughs> but it puts them that much closer to the brink. uh
1: good chance. I'm going to pull up UNLV's schedule really quick here just to confer. or See, the reason I mentioned it's also kind of like a, what UNLV can do. It's not just if they get injuries, but we've seen in the past couple of years where they lose specifically the uh, was it Wofford, the last two what was the team, the FCS team, Howard, Howard? That was Howard, whatever. They're all the same, right? Sorry, Howard, disrespect. Apologies there. But we've seen them play pretty good and not good against certain teams. And so it's kind of like, well, who's going to show up? Um, look at the schedule real quick for UNLV. Could it be? Um, they got Northwestern. Okay. Arkansas State, not too bad. Um, they go to Vanderbilt. They go to Fresno. They go to Nevada. Um, I'll give it a 60% chance, the loser of this game, that coach is fired at the end of the year. Not 60% <laughs> chance the coach is getting fired. But mm-hmm. the loser of this game, their odds increase of them getting
0: to can. No, I, I gotcha. <laughs> I'm not saying I, mean, like... <laughs> I think that this might be a good time to to bring up the point that, you know, a lot of Colorado State's rebound is going to depend on winning these winnable games at home because that was one of the things that really turned against them last year was the fact that they had a losing record in Fort Collins for the first time since 2011. And that was the last time they went three and nine. So I have this one as a Colorado state win. And, you know, like I said, if they're looking to claw their way back toward bowl eligibility, this is the kind of game that they have to win, even if it's labeled as a toss up or, or, or close to that by SP plus.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. They, um, I have a victory as well. But it's funny because I'm looking up the win. I did the win totals there over from FanDuel recently. I meant to bring these up again as we're talking about this stuff. The Rams were put – I ranked them by my confidence of, like, who would get over-under. Uh-huh. I put the Rams at middle of the pack, three and a half. I said the over, so I had to pick more than th- four victories here, which I only have uh, three games left. And seeing who they play, maybe that wasn't the best choice I made. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Because they go to – no, excuse me. They move on to host Air Force after by week. That's a, loss. That's a loss. Yeah, definitely. I guess I'm going to, cause we look at the S and P plus type of stuff like their projected victory. It is. Is it odd that air force is more winnable than Wyoming?
0: Uh, I mean, I guess some of it might come down to the home versus road game. Obviously. Um, but also we're both kind of feeling air force. And if you want to know why go back and listen to our Falcons podcast. So
1: with or without, I mean, it's not really a surprise. No, not surprised at all. That's the case. Um, at Wyoming, I, I, okay, here's the thing. This is my official prediction. The other thing, it's just an article I wrote. So they're losing to Wyoming and Air Force.
0: That works for me. And I mean, Boise State as too. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Boise.
1: So back to back three and nine seasons for me. Is that what you have as well? I think we have the exact same games. I have Western Illinois, at New Mexico, and UNLV as a victory.
0: Yeah, kind of boring, but, uh, They're a boring team, right? right? Three and nine, two and six in conference.
1: Is Bobo gone after this?
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think a lot of it is gonna depend a little more on just the the record. I think if they can at least show that they're more competitive in the the games that might be more winnable, you know, even if they aren't quite on the same level as, as a Boise State or an Air Force or a Utah State. If they can at least put together like close losses, home versus Toledo, home versus San Diego State. You know, again, as I mentioned early on, you know, they've got enough pieces coming back that might make 2020 really interesting. But they can't just like have no shows in in several games throughout the year. Like they can't get blown out in these um these games that theoretically could be a little more even.
1: True, theoretically, is a the keyword I heard there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I know is he gonna be the nice guy because he turned on the bonus last year. He was like, oh, sure, he turned down that hundred thousand pay raise. Is he good? Is he fine? Is that good reason to keep him? I think if, there, I, mean,
0: if I remember correctly, the buyout after this year is still like three and a half million dollars. Yeah. So that's that's another thing to consider as well.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a concern for these. Uh, that's kind of why Bob Davies still around, right? Mm-hmm. Where the uh, I'm gonna actually check that right now so we can get that correct here because I remember it is pretty high. Let me just take a quick look at Bobo's salary. He's current. His current buyout. Oh boy, you might be wrong on this one. It might be higher. That's as, what I'm saying. I think it was
0: after this season.
1: As of 4119 $8 dollars. <sighs> so I'm assuming that's going forward, right? From until next April, it'll drop. That's pricey. So. As of right now, I'm not sure exactly what breaks down. Let me see if we can figure out a bit more here on the fly. He, um, oh, here we go. I got it right here. Uh, Max, oh, Max's bonus and stuff. Shoot, um, oh, this is all prior coaches. Never mind. So, I guess if that's if I'm reading that correctly, that bonus is okay.
0: I found the answer. Okay. This, and I want to credit Kelly Lytle for this because he answered it in a, a mail bag that he had. Um, the buyout between now and December 31st is five and a half million dollars. Oh boy after that it drops to 3 million.
1: He's coached in 2020.
0: Like I said, I think it just depends on you know, even if they don't necessarily take a step forward in the win column, you know, mm-hmm. does Colin Hill establish himself as the guy and acquit himself well? Does the running game rebound? Does the defense have any kind of life at all? I think you know, they just can't fall victim to those same kinds of problems that plagued them last year. Yeah, it's and I, and I think that you know as we've talked about with other teams, I think the range for I think that bowl getting to six and six getting to a bowl is not an impossibility for this team if things come together and you know if they go move from abysmal on defense to below average and if the running game does the same thing, I think the passing game is still good enough with the pieces that are coming back that they could win some of those home games that we have pegged as losses right now. Maybe not a Boise State, but they should they could give San Diego State a run for their money. They could challenge Toledo, they could you know, maybe even challenge Air Force at home or something like that. It's just, you know, there's so many things that need to be addressed that I'm I'm kind of splitting the difference when I'm thinking 3 and 9. Because, you know, there may be some hit and miss in that regard, but they just can't be all misses again.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing. It's like you can't get blown out. You can't just have like if you're in close games, you can't just kind of let it slide by. I think it will really depend on competitiveness, even if they go three and nine again. Yeah. Because if Colin Hill, who's a junior, correct?
0: I believe he is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they'll have him one more year. Because if you look ahead real quick to twenty twenty, because um, hopefully we're still around doing this, which we should be. I don't see why not. But just saying, never know. <laughs> I don't know. Why I'm saying that, but just because. Um, looking ahead, who they do have like the year after coming back, they, McElroy starting running back, junior. Like I said, Colin Hills a junior. Receiving wise, they'll have Warren Jackson back again. They'll have Craig Myers back, assuming no NFL. If you look at the offensive line, they could have as many as four starters back the year after. Um, defense line could take a hit. Um, linebacker could be most of the starters back, and secondary take a hit next year. So if they look at who they're coming back, if they're close, it might be, besides the money reason, I think he's back no matter what, but if you are looking at a football reason why, if they're competitive, what they're doing, and most of the guys I mentioned on offense should be back if there's no NFL draft declarations or any transfer or any weirdness that can happen, 2020 might be the year we're looking at, bowl game or bust, regardless of that buyout.
0: Well, and even despite all of that, another thing that I think is Bears mentioning is that he's continued to recruit extremely well.
1: Show it though. Get, bring him bring the on field success. Come on.
0: Exactly. And that, you know, at some point you've got to turn that recruiting into development, and those development has to turn into wins.
1: So do you think they're three and nine like if we say both three and nine, do you think it's a better three and nine? I think so. I think it could be.
0: I mean, I'm, but I'm also feeling a little bit snake bitten because if you remember, I had this team winning nine games last year, and that didn't work out at all. I remember,
1: I had the year before; I had them a uh, and New Year's Six team possibility. Yeah, I will say, I did know my Nick Stevens prediction when people asked me about Josh Allen and whoever. I'm like, no, look at Nick Stevens. That's and, true. I think that worked out fairly well for college numbers. Um, don't look at the NFL draft, folks. I'm just saying, college wise, he did pretty well. Held himself up there. Uh, I think we're good here. I think we wrapped up what we need to talk about for Colorado State. We've gone rest a quit right. nearly one hour, so now's the time to say, "If you made it this far, thank you for listening the whole way to us." I appreciate it. Uh, sorry, not iTunes, Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Um, head over to Podcoin, put in the code Mountain West, get um, get your Matt, get your way toward um some gift cards. That's always exciting. So, if you like swag, use Podcoin. Yeah, just go use that. Use the code Mountain West, no spaces. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, I said again, Matt, Apple Podcast, whatever you get your podcast or your iPhone, just do it. Right, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yes. Pocket Cast, uh, whatever. We're on uh, Stitcher, Spreaker, all the fun places you can find your podcast. Just search Mountain Wire Podcast. We are there. Our next show will be a um, – I guess we'll probably go back to the West Division since we did back-to-back mountain teams. So, again, if you're just now finding us somehow, you like our show, or like, yeah, hey, these guys are interesting, you talk to Rams, we've done a Utah State show, San Jose State, Air Force, Nevada, New Mexico, Fresno, and Wyoming – we have our top 50 content going on now. We're going to have um, all sorts of previews we're working on this off season, So we're pretty busy, Matt. We're doing a good job, I think, getting things done. I think so. So, um, yeah, tune in next time, and um, we'll be talking. I'll, I'll say right now, we'll be a West Division team, which means, Matt, we have – who are the West teams we have not discussed?
0: Hawaii? We have not discussed Hawaii, San Diego State, and UNLV.
1: Those are pretty good teams out West. Maybe – well, TBD on UNLV. You'll find out what I have to say about that, but. Interesting team. There we go. That's the answer we're looking for. All right. um, That's it, folks, and uh, we'll see you next time, man. Thanks for listening.